Recently, I've had a few past guests reach out to me, asking if they can be on the podcast again. I feel like that's a great thing because who doesn't love a Where Are They Now update? Our first guest in this series is Kyle Humphreys, better known as The Kyle Machine, who went from ramen school in episode 16 to now Show You Shop Indie. Way of ramen. Welcome, the Kyle Machine, back again for a second round on Way of Ramen Podcast. You're here, what, like two years ago, right? Yeah, I think it's either coming up on two years or just about two years. Nice. And at that time, you didn't even have your shop open, so we got a lot to talk about. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you kind of hit me up and said you have a lot to say now that you have a shop open. And I was thinking the same thing, you know. Uh, paying attention and following you on Instagram with Show You Shop Indie. And congratulations, by the way. Yeah, thanks, man. So yeah, when you were on before, you talked about going to the ramen school in Japan. And I believe it was the Tokyo Ramen Academy. Right, yep. Yeah, I I remember that too. I mean, I talked to you about it a little bit, but um, I actually taught at that school for one day with my mentor, Jiraigen boss, Koitani-san. Uh, so, so it's kind of cool to to hear you went to that. Yeah. And, and to yep. even listen to that podcast episode and and listen to your experience. So anyway, a lot has happened since then. Uh, we met up last year in Indy when I was going to uh, Cincinnati to see Eric. And we had a burger at Working Man's Friend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, iconic. <laughs> Which was awesome. Unfortunately, you didn't have a, a shop at that time, so I couldn't eat your ramen. But you did make me your burger at the shop that you were working at, which is associated with Show You Shop Indie, correct? Right. Um. So that that business actually, uh, I don't know if you remember being out there. There were like three separate businesses. Yeah. And they were all it's all the same uh owner um so it kind of fused into two um rather than three so gotcha kind of both of them just have more seating now um so before i was running the food program for the smash burger place heartbreaker and then doing dinner for strange bird which was a well i guess still is a ramen oyster bar first um, okay. And then in the middle, there's a bakery called Landlocked. Basically, Strange Bird had an unused kitchen, which I I remember showing you and Jeff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you came out, I was like, I was like, this is my goal. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that ended up turning into, we're gonna do the dinner program for Strange Bird through my like my pop up show you shop, um, just because I felt I could use the size of the space. It was kind of sort of vacant at the time. Um, and that kind of ended up taking off to the point where we kind of expanded that business and consolidated the bakery to a, uh, so, cause they needed to expand too. So there's just kind of gotcha. best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. I believe I used the restroom at the bakery, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you showed me that space. It had a, a counter set up already it had a nice little kitchen in the back. Um, so you were, popping up before you actually made it a full-time thing yeah so I think um yeah when I was on the podcast last time that was um pretty much right when I had started the pop-up um I kind of started doing just random kind of Sunday types ramen specials at my current my job then and that turned into uh, me doing random uh actual pop-ups at like a a rented space um and i did probably like uh five or six of those and it's just a couple different random places in indy um and then whenever i took the job over in um at like heartbreaker strange bird i had my eye on that kitchen and i was like i can i can make this work you know if i just get the tools in place (laughs) nice yeah. I remember you telling me that story. But yeah, that space is is pretty nice. So how did you finally 
get the owner to kind of let you use it? Um, we, I mean, we were kind of, um, I bounced the idea off him a couple times, probably a few months before I started. Um, I, I, I really, I think eventually I just kind of, we had a talk and I was like, this is what I'm like really interested in doing long-term. Um, and I was like, I think, I mean, the, the, the big, I think the big selling point for using that space is it already had a hood. So that's like a big cost saving for starting up any kind of restaurant or anything. And it, I mean, it wasn't being used. It's, it's an old hood and it doesn't pull out heat very well, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it, it works, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, I just want to, in the very least, like pursue this to the point where I have somewhere to, you know, make this work at, at any time I can. Um, and so that turned into okay what what do i need to make that happen and then um we kind of started it with no end date and we're about to come up on a year <laughs> nice which is kind of insane actually but congratulations yeah well b- before we get further into that you know for those that have not listened to the prior podcast uh just real briefly your background and how you came across making ramen and then what is driving that force behind Shoyu Shop Indie? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I've always been into Japanese culture, um, growing up with JRPGs, <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then obviously I've always been into the food also. Um, I, I actually, I played music in earlier days and I had, I was in a band with a friend that um first took me to a wrong place in pittsburgh this is probably in like 2007 2008 um and i was just like wow this is this is pretty cool um i didn't do you, think do you remember the name of that show yeah it, it's called uh it's just called um actually it's like really it's like super generic i actually i think i said it in the in the previous podcast yeah Oh man, Uh, (laughs) I I I bet I'll look it up right now. Um, But anyway, so I went to this place, um, and I always thought it was really cool. But at the time, there wasn't much ramen around, um, so I I uh, wasn't able to get too into it. Um, To hear that Pittsburgh had a ramen shop, I mean that that blows my mind in a bit because (laughs) who'd have thought, right? Yeah. Oh, Oh, it's just it's just called Ramen Bar. Um, and yeah it was open it was open um over 10 years ago at this point maybe even man close yeah it's been open a long time um but uh it's kind of like it's kind of the place i'd look at now and just maybe assume like wasn't that great (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is just kind of how it goes i guess when you get really into something but yeah, so that was kind of my first experience with um, anything outside of just instant ramen and all that. But um, after I finished the music career, <laughs> um, I decided to go to culinary school and uh, I started working um, at a, a place in Indy called Ramen Ray. And they were doing um, kind of like a uh, Sapporo style um miso is kind of what what they're known for at this point at the time they were the only not uh ramen shop in indy now there's probably like i don't know a dozen <laughs> yeah but uh yeah yeah so i kind of um and the owner there actually asked me um hey like when you get done with school like what do you think you want to focus on and i was just like i was like this is it this is this is what i'm focusing on um because i guess when you're in culinary school they kind of push you to like uh, kind of like own into a specialty or a cuisine you're you're into that you can kind of make your own um but yeah so it's just kind of been a rabbit hole ever since that's it's that's been about five or probably going on six years now which is definitely crazy to say because i sometimes feel like it just kind of consumes <laughs> all of my interests and hobbies um which is good you know yeah, funny, funny you mentioned Ramen Ray because I've actually been there. And yeah, I remember, I remember um, a few years ago, I went to uh, the Indy 500 and uh, we did some event with George Motes. 
Right. I looked up ramen in the area and I saw ramen ray and it looked pretty legit. So I went there, I tried it, and then I noticed it was a Nishiyama semen shop. Mm-hmm. And that right away like calmed my nerves and and then felt like when I got the bowl, I mean it was it was a really good bowl of ramen. And mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that I was in Indianapolis. <laughs> and I met the owner. Uh he briefly talked about a little bit about you know the concept and and why you started it um but that that's cool you started your you know ramen career there i think that's probably a, a legit place to do it because uh they have like people fly in from japan to like teach you guys how to make ramen right yeah yeah I, um so when i was working there the uh uh nishiyama actually came out and did a pop up there it was kind of like hey this is how you can get the most out of our tari, our noodles. Um, so pretty much they just made like um a, like a really good broth. At the time it was like it was it was kind of like a lighter python style and they fused mm-hmm. that with um uh their tari. And obviously, you know, stir frying it in the wok and everything, you get you get more flavor development. Um so then then we had a pop-up with them um and it was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just like um their their menu and it was it was like 350 bowls each day just lying around the building till we were out basically um and that was the first time i'd ever really experienced something like that in like a food setting wow. and it was just like yeah the buzz of that it was just i don't know i'm still getting like goosebumps <laughs> from it you know so i've just uh, kind of been chasing that feeling i think nice. um yeah is there a significant Japanese population in Indianapolis? Um, I think uh, I don't. I don't think it's like too significant. No, there's there's. I've noticed um at the shop I'm at right now in particular, it seems like there's a lot of people that come through on business trips. Um, gotcha. But yeah, as far as um, as far as Japanese, I'm not. I'm not totally sure. I, I know more, more on the south side, India, I believe. There, there's more um than around the city um but yeah i don't i don't think it's like very substantial actually. yeah because one of the you know the owners of ramen ray is is his name actually ray <laughs> no 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 okay. <laughs> there, there, there's a there's a story uh behind that name his name's uh june june son yeah i talked to him briefly yeah. and and i think he told me the reason he ended up in indy was because of work Mm. Uh, Japanese company kind of brought him there and then yeah. he, he realized that there's no good ramen or there's no ramen at all in Indy so that's why he wanted to open up ramen ray yeah at the time I I don't I'm I'm almost positive they were the first um and I'd say since then you've definitely seen some kind of copycat stuff going on which you know pros and cons to that <laughs> but yeah <laughs> nice. props to them <laughs> they they really uh they really set the foundation for the area i'd say nice and then yeah i mentioned before uh you went to japan to uh, go to a ramen school there i know you talked about this on the last episode but but really how do you feel overall that that experience led to like the bowls that you're making now I think um, I, I had had a decent amount of experience going into that. And I think being through culinary school definitely helped it a lot. Um, but I was definitely not like ready after that by any means, if I even am now. Um, I think it it helped kind of like solidify that it's like, okay, I'm in the country where this is prevalent. And I feel like I'm understanding it and I know how things work. I'm getting some validation by the people that are telling me uh, or coaching me on how I'm doing things and stuff like that. So, but, but really, so it kind of like, it definitely fueled the fire uh, and it, you know, obviously that was my, uh, I've only been, I don't want to say my first time. That was the only time I've been to Japan, but um, just like eating a lot of shops and stuff really made me just, kind of it just I was like this is what I, I really would like to do this um but yeah, yeah so totally understand say, 
<laughs> yeah, the school was cool. I, I I'm still um I still talk to uh the the main instructor. I, I guess he was more so a translator, um, but he, I, it seemed like he was the instructor, obviously. But um, I talked to him a bit on Instagram still every now and then, um, which is cool. So, and it's uh, it's been it's been years <clears throat> since I've been through there, and I'm it's probably cool for him to see that I'm still working on it, taking seriously. And I mean, this is how I, you know, make a, a living now um, yeah. full time. So that's uh, that feels good. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely awesome. I think. Anytime you go to a school like that, like keeping that relationship and, you know, seeing the progress or having them see the progress you're making it, it I'm sure they're going to feel really happy about that. So, yeah. But yeah. Okay. So show you shop indie time passes. You're doing pop-ups. Uh, you, you start working for this guy who has a potential space. You tell him about your, you know, craft of ramen making mm-hmm. and you decide to open it a year ago and full-blown ramen shop in Indy. What's it like? Uh, it's it's cool. Um, so I had already had like, I guess, somewhat of a following. So it wasn't really like, I'm just like kind of trying to put the word out, like, you know, to get customers and stuff. And the, that, that restaurant in particular, I feel like is, has a pretty established um, following in the community already. So that, that just helped. Um, but yeah, the when we started, I was making noodles on one of those like cheap imported machines from <laughs> from like <laughs> yeah. Alibaba, and I mean it was just absurd what we were doing. It was like we're gonna make 300 servings a week, um, and it's gonna take I don't know. It took like four of us probably 10 hours, 12 hours to do it on a Monday, and then they had to be pretty hydrate high hydration so towards the end of the week you they just be so stuck together it was it was absurd (laughs) um but you know the passion kind of drove us (laughs) through it um but yeah there the the first few months I, i guess we were only operating like that for probably I don't, I don't think it was more than three months before, um, um, we were able to work out getting a, uh, legit machine. Um, cause I think he saw that just like how many hours we were putting in and it was like, cool that we were doing it, but it was like, from a labor standpoint, you know, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and um, it was yeah. pretty much, we're just like, just killing ourselves just to <laughs> say like, we're the only ones doing this here. I mean, honestly, that was I think we're the only ones that are making our own stuff like in the state um, that I know of. Um, I feel like I know pretty much everyone around Indy at this point. Um, but yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, wait, so you started out making your noodles from the very beginning. You said you got that Alibaba machine. But but what made you like want to make your own noodles and not just buy it from a manufacturer? Yeah, I think um, so. That was one thing. Um, so when I was in Japan, um, I was working with someone to open a shop. Um, and one of those things that was a driving point for me is we were going to do everything. Um, we could have just, you know, gone with Nishiyama, who we had a relationship with already and just gone the easy route. But I think me at the time being an aspiring chef and stuff like that, it really pushed me to just be able, just be able to try to be better. Um, you know, uh, I just wanted the ownership of that. But then I would say there was a time probably four years ago or so where I had a bunch of sample packs from Yojo and I remember liking them the most, but they nice. were like, they were like, I don't know, like 10 cents more or something. So um, I wasn't the one buying them at the time or making the call on what would be bought at the time. So that's just a different story. Um, but, yeah. um, yeah, I guess it was whenever, uh, I think it was probably whenever I came on the podcast last and it kind of connected me with a lot of the people in the community around the, around the world. Um, I don't know, just kind of lit a fire under me. I was just like, I can, I can do this. I have the knowledge to do this. I I'm going to find the resources to do it. And that that's what kind of led me down the, 
the imported Alibaba machine that like, you know, Eric That's and awesome. Mike and everybody has gotten. <laughs> yeah. And now you've upgraded to a Yamato, which was yeah. kind of a huge, significant upgrade. Yeah, that was pretty right. insane. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it helps you a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely, uh, it took a while to kind of really figure out. Uh, I mean, I remember when I got it, you messaged me and you were like, they can be a pain. Let me know if you need anything. And I think I was kind of like, I don't know. I've always tried to not ask you for help. I feel <laughs> like, um, so I was like, I'm going to figure this out. But um, yeah, there were, there were definitely some growing pains, but I would say now months down the road, I'm very, I'm pretty comfortable and happy to have that versus what I was doing before. <laughs> So you can make a hundred an hour now, right? <laughs> I, I can. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I'm, so yeah, I was talking to Mike about that because he got the Yamato too. But you know, it's virtually impossible to hit that mark without, you know, giving up certain, like rest. Yeah, yeah, you you got to cut some corners for sure. Yeah. That's kind of like, uh, you know, I have I have less than twenty servings going into a. <laughs> a Friday situation or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Just gotta, you just gotta get it done. But um, yeah, that I, I, I know we talked a bit about this, but I, I think that was kind of their, their sales pitch is the, the hundred in an hour. And I was just like going through the process and I'm just like, am I just really bad at this? Do I have <laughs> the wrong flower or, you know, is it a combination of everything, which, probably is but yeah i think realistically i'm pretty comfortable probably a hundred to an hour and a half to an hour 45 i'd say is probably yeah pretty realistic for the yamato um i don't know what do you what do you think (laughs) i think it is too well you have how big is your mixer uh the the max is uh recommended max is 10k I actually okay. put 12 in there one time by accident. It seemed fine. Yeah, I think, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 12 is probably okay. If you go, uh, well, if it's a higher hydration, the, the mixer will stop. I've yeah. had that happen before. Um, it doesn't mean it's broken. It just has that safety feature. chill. Yeah. That right, is, yeah. If it's too heavy, if it's trying to mix too much weight, then it'll stop on you and you have to reset it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And 10 kilogram mixer, 100 per hour is, is pretty tough. My Taisei has 15 kilograms max, and I can maybe do 100 an hour if I'm like mixing and rolling at the same time, you know? Right. So it, it's yeah, all that there's definitely, um, uh, I would say, you, yeah, you can cut the time down pretty substantially for two batches versus one. Yeah. If you get one going, uh, rest it, start start uh, rough sheeting, and then have the other one mixing, so you can kind of like you know two things at once. Um, so maybe that's what they factored into like you know if you're doing multiples <laughs> yeah. and you average it, yeah, it's an hour for hundred. <laughs> yeah. Do you have the speed adjustment on yours? Yes, because some of the older ones they don't have a speed adjustment. Are, are you talking the the mixer or the? Or like the, for both, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they both do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I haven't it, really, it, I was going to say, I haven't, Um, I I just always feel like I have the mixture on full speed. I don't, I don't know yeah. if that's the way or not. And then the, uh, yeah, the, the rollers and stuff. Um, yeah, the speed dial is pretty essential. <laughs> yeah, like in the old days, it only had a speed of four. So okay. imagine trying to roll that. There's no way you're going right. to get to 100 an hour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would take, that would be like 10, 15 minutes each rotation. Yeah. Yeah. So with all your recipes, how are you coming up with those? Just really just messing around over the years? Let's see. Yeah. So I would say that that's probably the biggest factor. Um, I would say I, I kind of like had a, a general i i I didn't really understand like the concept of like tare and stuff 
very well until I actually went to Japan. And and then I kind of, that, that started to make a lot more sense. And then I kind of had some, some basis to go off of after the school. Um, and then when I came back to the States, it's just kind of been a lot of, I'll try this blend, try adding yeah. a little more of this. Um, so yeah, I've really just, that's, been mostly uh, trial and error, I'd say. And then the the recipes, I I don't know if there's anyone in the U.S. that has made noodles that has not started with Mike's material. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, whether I mean at least so you know kind of where to start. Um, yeah, because you can't. I I remember. I mean, five years ago, that that was um, that was kind of if you were looking for anything legit, that's what you would end up finding and be like, okay, someone seems like they know what they're talking about. But yeah, yeah. you hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah, ramen lord is uh, definitely a huge influence on the home ramen chef and even the professional chef. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny because we we actually got on a pod, an episode last week. And you know we talked about that kind of thing, so hopefully you'll you'll listen to it. <laughs> oh, you'll hear for it sure. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to shoyu shop indie. I'm assuming your favorite ramen is a shoyu ramen. That's why you named it shoyu shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would agree with that. And I, I don't know. I like the, I like the sound and the flow of it. It, it seems like it, you know is like potentially marketable <laughs> i guess it's different um yeah i like it too yeah i didn't mm -hmm. want to necessarily just be like whatever ramen you know which yeah. which definitely works but that's that was just kind of my thought process at the time <laughs> that's awesome let's talk about the bowls you have on the menu i'm doing a kind of like a truffle show you um which is just a uh i'd say a classic Tokyo style with um, just like a aromatic oil and kind of like a truffle powder just to kind of bring the umami up. Um, so that that's kind of what I have now. Um, I'm also doing uh, a shio more with uh, kind of more chicken based. I've noticed being in a business setting in the Midwest, that's like a an easy like place for someone that has like no idea where to start or they're intimidated um yeah so that's that's worked well um uh and that is actually what i started with i just did those two bowls i had a uh uh we make gyoza and i had a curry rice um nice Keep and it since simple. that's developed a little bit um once i really figured out I could I started doing like Nibon pythons and stuff and using that um and now I have um a tonkatsu also which is has been really good um and I think other I, I think that's pretty much what I'm running as far as ramen goes right now um I also have kind of like vegan vegetarian mods for mostly everything um because that is a uh pretty big scene uh where i'm at um, yeah so that's been cool i'd say i've uh yeah i i've i've seen a lot of people say like i have probably some of the the most options for um that kind of lifestyle which is which is cool do you get a lot of like people that have not have never experienced ramen before i would say yeah um i i, I would say just like um the kitchen I'm in is like, it's not open, but there's like a window. Um, so I, I don't know, you like, I catch myself kind of like watching people sometimes. And it's yeah. just like, uh, from last year, this time to now, um, the, obviously there's a lot of regular customers, but I feel like, I feel like, like people's ability to use chopsticks has gotten like way better. <laughs> just like from what, cause I remember, um yeah a year ago sometimes i just couldn't even look out there because i just <laughs> see people trying to spaghetti the, yeah. <laughs> the noodles or uh, just all kinds of horrible things but um i don't see that nearly as much anymore so i think uh i think we have had a lot of first timers and i think we've 
definitely changed the game as far as like people's knowledge on everything um, as well. Cause I, I've really tried not to um, like kind of like make anything easy for anyone as far as like the names of ingredients or, you know, yeah. just like, I'm only putting chicken in this soup. It's like, no, we have chicken, fish, pork, everything like, and <laughs> just cause I, I want to try to keep it, um, as classic as I can usually that's kind of what I'm drawn to I think um you think in the midwest um there wouldn't be a lot of knowledge about um like legit ramen and I'd say there's definitely a lot of people that don't know but because of places like ramen ray starting up and going with a good company and kind of kind of doing it right um yeah the the I feel like we're in a, a pretty decent pocket here um in particular so you said your shop is connected to the heartbreaker restaurant can can a customer come in and order from both menus and eat so, it in the same building <laughs> so it, it actually it actually was like that um at the start um okay. because we all work together um and this is a little bit of a long story but um we started the pop-up you came into strange bird which is the tiki bar this is gonna be a nightmare <laughs> for anyone listening to follow um but <laughs> so you come in to eat you get a menu the front's gonna be like a drink menu you flip it and then you have two food menus the left side's going to be show you shop the right side was kind of a trimmed down version of the heartbreaker menu gotcha and keep in mind, I was kind of at the beginning of the pop-up, I was I was still kind of running both. So it was like a little bit crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you know, but that that was the plan at the time. That's what, you know, I had to kind of make work, which is I was just willing to make whatever work to make it happen. Um so yeah, that was that was cool for some people. That was probably kind of weird for some people um <laughs> but eventually um the the ramen started kind of like we were selling not eventually relatively quickly we were just selling uh more and yeah. it was like kind of higher ticket price so it was just good kind of good for the business um i think uh i think uh the owner i work with in particular kind of like the vibe of the the craft of that versus smash burgers <laughs> yeah um and so and then at the time the the bakery in the middle slash coffee shop landlocked was growing they always had a line um so we decided to close heartbreaker expand seating for strange bird and move landlocked into the heartbreaker space gotcha um so at that point um we were kind of had um like we had pretty good volume but i i didn't have all of the potential sales so when that happened it was just it was just that kitchen had everything um so that's when it really started kind of booming i think um so wait you're making ramen in the heartbreaker the old heartbreaker no, 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 no. so still out of the small kitchen but we're we're um people can't order from that menu gotcha. anymore so we're just getting a lot um you know all the business versus whatever portion yeah. uh, it was before so instead of customers getting two bowls instead of a bowl and a hamburger <laughs> yeah, yeah something like that <laughs> yeah nice nice <laughs> but yeah definitely uh that that's uh that's a lot to follow so <laughs> Well, I get it. I mean, I've been there. I've seen it. So it kind of makes a little more sense to me. But yeah, right. Um, that's awesome. Well, aside from, you know, the success of Show You Shop Indie, like, how are you doing physically, mentally of the the day to day <laughs> grind of a ramen shop? Yeah, um, I definitely um, I've always been the type of person that can work a lot of hours um every kind of since i was a kid i think that's what kind of made me feel like the hospitality industry like i could make it work um but yeah man at the start i was i was probably 
put in in the 80 hours a week range and i would say that's not i mean that's i've gotten that down um a bit because uh the i've had some personal stuff in the last year also that's been kind of intense um but yeah just it's been good to have this which is pretty much my dream to kind of help push through a lot of that um yeah so i've been i haven't had a lot of issues just working long hours because i i really enjoy what i'm doing and um it has been going well there's been a lot of good feedback um and i'm just like i just want to constantly figure out like what i can do better at this point um so yeah it's uh absolutely a grind though if you're trying to do everything from scratch just because like everything takes so so much time it, it takes days to put so many portions together for something that comes together in like less than two minutes which i think yeah. a lot of people don't necessarily realize <laughs> um yeah it's, yeah, def it's definitely a grind you have to have the passion for it and you know i was the same way uh still am you know i agree with that and yeah if you don't it, it gets tough it, it, and you can't really shortcut much if you're right. trying to make the best ramen in the city you know right for sure yeah and i i I've, i'm lucky i've been working with um like the same handful of uh people on my team through actually like a few different restaurants over the last like four years or so um that and they all they all work for me now i guess so before kind of at the beginning of this i was like it was me and one other person and i would kind of like pick between like the three of them okay you work <laughs> this one you work this one and then since um you know the whole thing's kind of expanded now they all just kind of work for me full time and i never really thought i would be able to do that but i mean that that's another thing if you don't have if you're trying to if you're trying to do like a legit ramen shop and you don't have people that you can you can trust just just because it's like there's so much precision involved um yeah i mean that's i i couldn't imagine like losing any of them and having to you know I, i've never had to hire like a random person i didn't know and train them and like i i just i don't think i in this type of work i don't know if it would really work for what i'm trying to do so i'm, <laughs> I'm sure you've been there um with that um i know you've always kind of ran with a small crew and that just kind of seems to be the way to do it um but yeah i'm i'm still figuring that out <laughs> yeah i mean like i guess people like us uh when when other people see what we're doing and you know try our food we kind of gain that following and then you know it attracts like special people to us that want to work for us that not just for a job per se but you know they really want to be a part of something special so for me too i, I rarely had to hire someone and then teach them from the ground up it's always been someone who kind of like asked me for a job yeah so um i've been fortunate on that um but it's also tough you know um trying to deal with staff when you're growing uh everybody right. has you know their their own goals and objectives so you have to keep that in mind and really kind of have that team spirit all the way through so it's it's almost like coaching a like a team like a professional sports team you know uh, you have many different personalities but you all have one goal so uh, we're all trying to win a championship every day <laughs> and we never see a trophy but that's what we're going for right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel you on that <laughs> yeah um but yeah, so what's next for the Kyle Machine and Show You Shop Indeed? Like, do you see yourself? Have you found a home for a while, you think? Or do you want to expand, open up some more shops? Yeah, I would say like I I don't think I could ever I, I, I definitely realized in I I'd say the last year or six months or so that I I don't think I could really see myself as being the an owner of like multiple 
businesses. I really like the spirit of having one and just doing it as well as you can. And you're not overextending yourself more than you can let yourself, um, if that makes sense. So I would say, uh, yeah, right now, um, right now, everything at the at the restaurant seems to just kind of be getting better. Um, and I think the fact that it's, you know, there are days where it's 100 degrees out and we're, we're still hitting numbers is, is uh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> um, so that's a good place to be. Um, I, I'm, I'm not like the sole owner um, by any means at, at this point. So obviously um, I'm comfortable now, but I mean, this is something I feel like I have a, a future in. Um, so I don't know. It's got to go somewhere at some point, right? <laughs> yeah. I but, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, at this point in time, um, I'm, I'm definitely really happy um, where I'm at. I don't think there's any reason to not be where I'm at, especially with uh, the, one thing um, with it being a, uh, I mean, I'm in a space with like a three-way liquor license. So um, that, that, that can bring a lot of foot traffic too. Um, if I would go out on my own and not have that, it's hard to say if it would kind of buzz the same way. I I don't know. It's just like, it's all these things you have to think about. Eventually you just have to kind of like take the leap and do it. Right. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd say the, the only, the only advantage I would have, um, being on my own now is I would be a, like an owner, um, which, pros and cons to that for sure <laughs> definitely i mean yeah. some owners never see a dime <laughs> yeah yeah I, I uh yeah i mean the the person i work for now is probably the best boss i've ever had um so that goes a very long way also um so he's helped me kind of you know get the yamato and you know giving me everything yeah. i'm kind of looking for so it's like I definitely feel like I have an obligation to, you know, stick around for, you know, as long as I can. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I don't see it an end to your ramen passion. So just, you know, soak it up, learn as much as you can. And, you know, who knows, like, never burn a bridge. Maybe this guy can help you expand on your own someday, too. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely. <laughs> I think he's I mean, he's brought you this far. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's only been, a, yeah, it's only been a year. Because um, I've been trying to, I mean, I've been working on this for, uh, yeah, over, over six years now. Um, and just the things I've done alone since, hey, I, we have this little kitchen space, I'm gonna, we're, we're gonna, you know, make it work, we're gonna put two stock burners under there and make it work. Um, yeah, it's just, it's grown so much since then, like, and if I think back to uh, just a year ago now, it feels like it was like five years ago, which is kind of wild. But <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been very exciting. Nice. Well, how do you feel about like being in the Midwest? Like to me, when I look out, look at the Midwest from, you know, out here in California, I feel like the Midwest is starting to become you know, the the center of craft ramen. You have Ramen Rui <laughs> in St. Louis. You have, you know, Mike Ramen Lord up in Chicago trying to open his own shop. You have Eric Benz, Cincinnati, Cafe Mochico, and then you in Indi- Indianapolis. <laughs> it's like you guys are all making your own noodles. You're making yeah. everything from scratch. Yeah, it is, it is kind of cool that, I mean, I guess we're all within like less four or less hours of each other. Yeah. And we're all kind of like, if we're whether or not we're doing the same type of thing we all have kind of the same spirit going on um which is really cool um um but yeah i I would say like i don't know it's like maybe like the midwest like probably like obviously a bit behind like la or like new york city um like the the big coastal foodie cities right um but but i think like i mean all of the people you just mentioned, I mean, if you go back years ago to Instagram posts, I feel like we've all kind of gone to those areas and like searched people like you out. Um, and it just kind of grows from there, I think. And 
Um, I think just there, there's not nearly as much like saturation out here. So yeah. I think like that helps that helps us stand out for sure. <laughs> the Midwest might be lacking quantity ramen shops, but definitely you guys aren't lacking quality because of, because of, you know, the four of you that we mentioned. Yeah. So I think I think that's pretty cool. I mean, you even went to help Mike at his pop up like recently. Yeah. And even when I went to Cincinnati and, and you know, we put out a special bowl with with Eric Benz. You came down. You're like, it's. I'm only like an hour away. I'm coming. You know, so that yeah, that's yeah. cool. I think like being able to support uh, your friends in the industry and do that is pretty awesome. It's kind of like that Tokyo feel, right? Where you don't have to really drive that far, um, but you can still like kind of help out your friends in the in the ramen industry. And yeah, yeah, for sure. I th- the only um. The only thing that's like tough with um, us all kind of being in the same space is like a, a lot of uh, like everyone's, I mean, open like Tuesday to Sunday or Wednesday to Sunday or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, and all of us have that, I want to be there working the service mentality. So I haven't, I haven't been able to go out to St. Louis yet. Um, that's on the list. I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to have to try to, um, get someone to cover for me or maybe I don't know but that's uh I'd really like to make it out there um but yeah the cool thing about uh I mean I know my Mike Mike is definitely going to open a shop sooner rather than later I, yeah. I would imagine um but I feel like he does a lot of his pop-ups on like Mondays earlier in the week so I'm like it's a few <laughs> hours but I don't know it's just like that's there, there's just like I find myself kind of craving ramen a lot and I can make my own or I can like I don't know it's like <laughs> like it's not the same to just go anywhere in town anymore um, yeah. which kind of sucks but I feel you know, you. that's what happens <laughs> yeah man it, it's something else when you can kind of enjoy a bowl of ramen that someone else made for you and you can tell that it's made with care and their soul is in it yeah i think that's one of the things like a lot i mean because it's definitely like a scene in in the u.s now and but you can definitely tell when it's like like a like run by it's like a business-minded shop versus like this has someone that like is running it and cares and like wants to be here like as soon as you like i don't know i i won't say where whatever but um the someone went to a place uh, a couple weeks ago and let me know um that i don't know it's just like a bunch of kids in here and like um like they got like you know lukewarm soup like you know just the the works of like bad stuff that i feel like i can see stuff like this and kind of like expect almost like anticipate it happening (laughs) before it does at this point um yeah i mean people trying to capitalize off the trend of right rather than the craft um it happens everywhere i mean it's not necessarily a bad thing um because you know that makes our ramen look even better <laughs> yes, even better stand out yeah um but yeah i mean it's 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 one of those things that we'll deal with in any industry in any you know restaurant and yeah i think you know you'll you'll always have people even if you start out like wanting to do everything from scratch you know it gets rough sometimes and people end up concentrating more on the business side because they need to you know make money to make a living so so I understand that. And, you know, hopefully in the future, we can kind of improve ramen quality from from every aspect, not just us making it ourselves. So no, yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely like guys like you, you know, with Show Your Shop Indie who are making quality ramen uh, for people that really haven't even experienced that. I think that's amazing. And you're doing an awesome job. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Is anything else you want to ask me? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um no, nah, no, nah, probably not. I feel like I'll probably uh I'll probably be a little uh 
less hesitant to ask you random stuff now <laughs> <laughs> yeah man anytime yeah. I, I i watch your stuff i see your stories i mean we we talk we message back and forth yeah you know about each other's stories and stuff um but i haven't seen anything that you posted where i, I was like hey man what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> hey uh definitely definitely let me know because uh <laughs> i'm always uh yeah i'm always down to to be better i just and bad at asking for help <laughs> yeah. yeah man anytime <laughs> <laughs> but yeah feel free to just reach out if you can't understand like a, some kind of process even if it's with the business or yeah you know just yeah i, I feel people. uh i definitely feel what you said about like you know sometimes it, yeah i mean that's the thing a lot of people don't realize like you can go you know super craft kotawari whatever you want to call it but like if you have to run a business you have to make bills you have to pay your employees like when when bad stuff happened like i i have a lot of like you know nightmares of like the noodle machine breaking and i've always been like oh i'm you know putting it out there that i you know i'm doing this because i have to you just don't know what will happen because i don't that machine's imported from japan i can't fix it i don't think it's going to be able to be fixed quickly um i guess if something like that happened i'd probably try to try to try to run in uh, Chicago or something <laughs> yeah Big well see mark. that's the thing you guys are so close like Eric Eric Vance could even support you probably for a little bit until it gets fixed uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny I actually um before I went full-time I actually asked him because I didn't think it was realistic to make noodles with the imported machine I actually asked him if he was interested in making them and he was like man i just i just don't think i have time which now yeah. i can totally see that because even with the machine i i don't think i could realistically support another shop um yeah you have to probably have to hire someone but yeah hey we'll see <laughs> all right man well but yeah man it's, it's been a pleasure to have you back on here i mean <laughs> yeah, first time sure. with me but you know, <laughs> um definitely when I go out to Indy, I'm going to hit you up and let's meet at Working Man's Friend again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot, Kyle. All right. Thanks, All man. Right, bye. See you. Bye.